Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. When you think of one of the greatest boxers of all time, no doubt Muhammad Ali comes to mind. He was quick-witted, confident, and you might even say arrogant about his unmatched skill in the boxing ring. There's a story of a time when, when the great boxer Muhammad Ali was on an airplane. The flight attendant walked by and noticed that he didn't have his seatbelt fastened. So she asked him to please fasten his seatbelt. Muhammad Ali, who's never short on words, answered her and he said this. He said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. The flight attendant didn't skip a beat when she answered back and she told him, well, Superman don't need no airplane either. So please fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> Today we're talking about humility, something that perhaps you might say Muhammad Ali certainly lacked. But Let's be honest, it's something that we lack as a society in many respects. And if you're willing to go there and take a hard look in the mirror, it's something that we all lack within ourselves oftentimes as well, especially when we're talking about a Christ-like humility. We just wrapped up chapter one of Philippians last week where Paul challenged us to live worthy of the gospel. And as we continue into chapter two, he continues the same school of thought, showing us another way that we can live worthy of the gospel. The gospel is evident within us when we live as humble people. And this is so countercultural to society because in our world, what's celebrated and elevated is pride. Celebrate you, celebrate your uniqueness, care for yourself, look out for your own needs. This is what we see every single day. And it's evidenced by how people live their lives. I'll give you guys a real world example, right? For, for those of you that drive, how many times a day do you have to squeeze by a double parked car? The driver's just chilling in the driver's seat, eating a Big Mac, right? And, and the kicker be, once you squeeze past them, there's a parking spot not five feet from where they are. What's the mentality? It's my convenience over yours. Who cares if you're holding up traffic or if an ambulance or a fire truck needs to go through? It doesn't matter because it's all about me. It's about my pride. It's about my convenience. It's about my objective. It's about my time. It's pride. And in today's passage, Paul is going to directly challenge that thought. And what he's essentially going to say is that if we're followers of Jesus, we don't follow the world's examples of pride we follow Christ's example of humility. The world says, be proud, be proud. Jesus says and lives and models, be humble, be humble. In fact, today I have one phrase that sums up this big idea. So if you want to take notes, you can write this down. As Christ is humble, we should mimic his humility and humbly serve one another. So let's examine each of the parts of this phrase and see how it connects to what the passage says in Philippians chapter 2. So the first part of the phrase is, as Christ is humble. Look at what Paul says in chapter 2, verse 1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, 
If any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy. In this passage, if you like taking extra notes, here's what I want to encourage you to do. You can replace the word if with the word because. Paul isn't asking questions here. It's almost like a rhetorical statement. What Paul is communicating is that, that, is that Christ is encouraging, that Christ is loving, or because he is affectionate and merciful. And these are all demonstrations of Christ's humility, right? Paul, Paul writes that there is encouragement in Christ, meaning that Christ humbly encouraged us in not dealing with our sin with the way that it deserves to be dealt with, that he came to save a wretch like you and me, that when God looks down at us, he no longer sees our sin stains, but he sees Christ's righteousness instead. Paul writes that Christ's humility leads to fellowship with the Spirit. Because of Christ's redemptive work, we're welcomed into the family of God. We have fellowship with God. He's not far away, but He's within reach. The Spirit of God lives within us and empowers us to live out God's Word, to live out fruitful lives empowered by the Spirit. Paul also says that Christ's humility lends us affection and mercy. It means that Christ understands our struggle and He extends compassion. That when we sin, that when we fall short of the glory of God, because of Christ's humility, we're extended affection and mercy. As the scriptures say, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. We merit God's wrath for our sin and waywardness, yet what we receive is affection and mercy from Christ. When we examine the Gospels, when we look at the character of Christ, He models what perfect humility is and looks like. This is the Jesus we worship. This is the Jesus we revere and honor. You know, the Jewish people were waiting for a mighty warrior who would conquer their enemy nations and sit on a throne with a crown and scepter. They thought this Messiah would reign in an earthly kingdom and sit on an earthly throne with many jewels and, and wealth and fanfare. But Jesus, the humble king, is born to a lowly teenager from a middle-of-nowhere town in a manger, no less. And instead of a crown of gold, he's given a crown of thorns. Instead of a throne to sit on, it is a cross that he's nailed to. Instead of fanfare and praises of the people, he's mocked, ridiculed, and jeered. Instead of establishing an earthly kingdom for some, for some people, he establishes a heavenly kingdom for all people. Christ's humility is unmatched. He perfectly modeled for us humility. And since he has, as followers of Jesus, what should be our response? If He is Lord, if He's King and Savior, what should our lives look like? Who should it be modeled after? As followers of Jesus, it is only natural that we directly go against the grain of culture. And number two, we should mimic His humility. And here's how Paul puts it in verse 2, chapter 2 of Philippians. He says this, Make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. The word Christian is the Greek word Christianos, which means those of Christ or little Christs. The word Christian was not the term for a religion the way many of us understand it today. It was almost like a derogatory name or title. It was essentially making light of the followers of Christ. 
Saying those of Christ was like essentially saying belonging to or a slave of, like saying Jesus owned them or had them wrapped around his finger. The idea is that the early Christians were known for regurgitating and living out the teachings of Jesus to such a degree. They were called the slaves of Christ, the little Christ. Oh, oh look at Jesus' mini-me's. But what was known as a jab has become an honor for followers of Christ. To be called Christians and to even die for the name and cause of Christ has become a privilege for those who've made him Lord and Savior. And most of all the disciples of Jesus suffered and died martyrs' deaths for the name of Christ. So how do we mimic Christ? Paul mentions a few different things. Underline these phrases in your Bibles or in your notes. He says, thinking the same way. In other words, having the thoughts of Christ. Thoughts that are not wrapped up in the things of this world, but like we mentioned last week, living as citizens of heaven. Are your thoughts like Christ's thoughts? Thinking on things above, meditating on like what the scriptures say, what is lovely, what is good, what is pure. Chances are that if you're anything like me, we have a million different messages clouding our thoughts with things that do not honor God or that are self-serving. But in Christ-like humility, we think the same way. We think like Christ. He says, having the same love. What was the love of Jesus like? It was the love that was selfless, a love that was sacrificial, a love that was extravagant and generous and humble. Is that what your love is like? Or is your love conditional? Is your love founded upon the amount of love that you receive? Oftentimes, our love is transactional. Uh, it gives as it, as it is given, but Jesus' love was unconditional. It was not based on what someone could bring into the relationship or repay the deed, but in Christ-like humility, we love the same way. We love like Christ. He says, united in spirit. Going back to some of what we mentioned last week, it's promoting harmony and unity. It's having an anti-divisive disposition. Are you a uniter or a divider? Listen, guys, we have plenty of things at our disposal to divide us. We don't need any help in that department. We got political parties, sports teams, wealth, poverty, education, trade. But Christ-like humility puts differences to the side and actively pursues unity. And lastly, he says, intent on one purpose. We're united together for a singular reason. It's for the glory of God. There's one purpose that we rally around, and it is to make the name of Jesus known. Jesus is in the business of seeking and saving the lost. And so as we're intent on one purpose and mimicking the humility of Jesus, we need to be about the family business. And listen to me carefully. We can and we must do this from a place of mimicking Christ's humility, not from a place of arrogance, not from a place of, oh, I have all the answers and you're a fool for not knowing what I know and for not following Jesus. We need to come to a place of Christ-like humility and realize that we're just a beggar helping another beggar find some bread. And, and it can be like, yo, you're looking for purpose. You're looking for answers. You're looking for security and meaning and value. Yo, I found some bread. He's dope, man. Let me tell you and let me bring you to some bread because I'm hungry too. You know, you become like who you spend the most time with. If you hang out with people that love sports and yell at the TV, then the likelihood is that you'll do the same thing. If you hang around loud, obnoxious, prideful, arrogant people, chances are you'll be the same way. But if you hang around Jesus, what will rub off 
is Christ-like humility. So consider this. Is it evident to the people around you that you're spending time with Jesus? Are you Christianos, like Christ, like little Christ, a servant of Christ, an imitator of Christ? Because if you're following him, you should be mimicking his humility and it should be evident. Lastly, Paul rounds out this section with one of the evidences of having Christ-like humility, which is number three, that we should humbly serve one another. Think about this important scene from the New Testament. John the baptizer told people that his cousin Jesus, he said that he was unworthy to even untie his sandals. He said that he was the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the one who would take away the sins of the world. Now I want you guys to fast forward to the events leading to the cross. Shortly before he would face his execution, Jesus gathered with his disciples and the lesson of the day is humility and in, in the form of serving one another. And get this, the one who John said was unworthy to untie his sandals stoops down and unties the sandals of his friends and ministry partners, including the one who would betray him. And then he begins to wash their dirty, stinky, dusty feet. Jesus, the Savior of the world, among the last thing that he does before heading to the cross, he washes feet and he serves others. And through this picture, Christ demonstrated how to humbly serve one another. And Paul says it this way in verse 3 and 4. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. The idea of serving one another is directly countercultural to our world. This is directly countercultural to you. Here's how twisted we are. We might hear this statement, serve one another, and we might think either, yeah, that's great. Serve me. You know, you need to serve me better. I need you to serve me better than you have been. Or serve one another. But man, that's very inconvenient for me. That's going to cost me something. That's going to cost me time. That's going to cost me energy. And this is because we're selfish by nature. By the way, this is the number one lesson kids teach you, how selfish you are. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. From the moment that baby is conceived, it's no longer about you. Having kids reveal just how selfish you are. Because once they're here, it's all about them. And they make sure that you know that. But as we mimic Christ's humility, we learn to humbly serve one another. We consider others as more important than ourselves. And this is what Christ demonstrated through his earthly ministry. Humility selflessness, putting others' needs before our own. And the example of Christ's humility climaxes on the cross. This is what we read this Easter Sunday when we jumped ahead to chapter 2, verse 8, that Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. The Bible says that we are dead in our sin and trespasses. And because as such, we're doomed for destruction, eternal judgment, and God's wrath. But here's the thing. The Bible also says that we don't get what we deserve. Why? Because of Christ's humility. He did not take equality with God as something to be grasped or held onto. Instead, He humbly served us by taking our place on the cross, absorbing the wrath of God in our place, satisfying the righteous judgment of God on our behalf, 
and then he rose from the grave so that we might continue serving, so that he might continue serving us through forgiveness of sin, new life, and he intercedes on our behalf. Christ is such a humble priest king that he even continues to serve us even from his glorified state. And he gently and humbly gives you an opportunity to accept God's free gift of grace through faith in him. And he humbly waits for you to respond. And if you haven't done so, you have the opportunity to do so today. But hey, for the rest of us, imagine the impact it would have on our community, on our neighbors, if we took this seriously. If we lived as followers of Jesus, walking as he walked, living as he lived, serving as he served. What if we mimic the humility of Jesus? What if we humbly serve one another? What impact would that have for the sake of the gospel? Let's pray. We praise you, Jesus, for being a humble priest king and thinking of us and, and being a source of encouragement and comforting us and love and empowering us through the Spirit and returning our, returning our sin and waywardness with affection and mercy. Lord, I pray that you would help us to mimic Christ's humility. I know it goes against every fiber of our being, but with your help, Lord, we know you can do it. Empower us, therefore, God, to humbly serve one another as Christ serves us. And I pray, Father, that as we would live in this way, that it might be a light to our neighbors, that our neighbors and the people in our community would see a group of people, though imperfect, though fallen, though uh, lacking much, Lord, humbly seeking after our humble Savior and mimicking his humility. Lord, may the rest of the world see us put that into practice. And I pray, Father, that that may be attractive, and that as they pursue, inquire, and learn more, that we may point them to Jesus, the humble King who died in our place and who gave us forgiveness of sin new life, who conquered the grave so that we can be considered children of God. We humbly thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?